Hello and welcome to the sixth and final episode of the first series of Crypto for Earthlings, the podcast where we unpack and explain the ever more confusing world of crypto. My name's Oliver Smith. I'm a technology journalist based here in London. And I'm David Stevenson, a financial writer with many years experience covering the markets. Now, as we've come to the end of our first series, we would love to hear what you think. So leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or let us know on Twitter at our account, which is at crypto for earth Now, each fortnight for the last three months, we've explored a different crypto concept, abbreviation, and acronym. And this episode, we'll be taking a look at the concept of a stable coin. Are they actually stable? They don't involve horses. And where are stable coins going next? Indeed, with our interview with James Bennett, a cryptocurrency consultant at BitAssist. Over to James. Hi, I'm James Bennett. I'm the director at BitAssist, uh, which is a consulting and research firm based out of London. James, thanks for coming on. The first question is an easy one, maybe. What is a stable coin? Mm, right. So a stable coin is essentially a digital asset um, that holds its value relative to a currency or commodity in the real world. And does that mean does that mean someone is holding the real commodity? Say it's a, a dollar linked stable coin. Does that mm. mean someone's holding a load of dollars? Yes, that's exactly right. So um, someone will invest those dollars. They'll be held in a bank, and then the stable coin company, if you like will issue a digital dollar for every dollar that's held in the bank. Now, crypto, when we've spoken about it in the past, has been about investing, about making money on crypto. Mm. A stable coin sounds kind of boring for an investor. Why would they want such a thing? Sure, well, let's put it this way. The market's very volatile. Um, sometimes you can expect uh, there's gonna be a big movement in the market based on news, and you might just want to say, uh, seek a safe haven somewhere. And rather than getting your money out of the market and back into your pounds, shillings and pence, um, you can actually go into a stable coin and secure the current value of your investment uh, without having to go through that process of going to the banks. See, the problem is at the moment in the ecosystem, the transition between uh, real world money, if you like, um, that's in a bank account and getting your digital assets is a very laborious process. Um, you know, you need to go through, you can't buy it through your bank. For example, you know, you need to find an exchange you trust. They need to approve you, passport, photograph, background check. Uh, and then even at that point, you're limited on the amount that you can deposit. Um, so really, it's, it's, it's difficult to move in and out of the cryptocurrency markets. Um, so stable coins allow you to uh, seek that safe haven. So stable coin linked to a stable currency. It all sounds mm. very safe. But are they really stable? Are they holding mm. up to their name? Great question. So there are different types of stablecoin. Um, the safest and greatest uh, in terms of its volume uh, would be called Tether. Um, that did about 3.6 billion volume in the last six months. Um, that holds its value relatively well, give or take 2% uh, on any given Sunday. But aside from that, you have um, more decentralized stablecoins, and that is a bit of a more volatile, risky world. Explain that to me, a decentralized stablecoin. Sure. So when we were talking about um, secure stablecoins like Tether, uh, we're having that dollar in the bank that's then issuing a, do a digital dollar against that dollar in the bank. Now, when we're talking about um, more risky stablecoins, they don't have 
traditional uh, fiat currencies like dollars or pounds backing their, their digital value. They actually have uh, cryptocurrency as the collateral or the underlying asset that you're borrowing that stablecoin against. So what that means is that if the price of the cryptocurrency that you're borrowing against falls, then you're going to have some movement in the actual amount of the borrowings mm. because you'll need to buy them back from the market. I see. And that leads to a more volatile um, price in those assets. Now, the whole conversation, it feels like trust is a big question here because mm. I trust that this stablecoin is backed in a bank somewhere by the, the market cap of, of its valuation. Yeah. Is there a question around that trust? How, how can we be sure that there are bank vaults full of dollars uh, backing these coins? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And, you know, we don't know for sure. Um, in the same way that we don't know for sure whether the bank at the moment has the um, capital you know, of the money that we've uh, got in our bank account, whether they've got it in a safe vault. If I go and ask if I can withdraw my money in cash, I think I would struggle. Um, now, it's the same when you come to these stable coins. Um, let's take Tether as an example. They have about $2 billion of digital uh, dollars. So that means they have $2 billion of real dollars in a bank somewhere. Mm. And in order to um, prove that, we go through an audit. And an audit is essentially getting a, a firm that isn't connected to the company to come and look through the bank statements and say, yep, they've got $2 billion in their accounts. That information's hard to come by. Mm. It's not publicly available information. And because of the different structures that you have in, in banking, um, and especially offshore banking, uh, it's, it's quite opaque. So um, why do we trust them? Because everyone else trusts them. Sounds a bit like every other bank. Um, Doesn't it, Just? My last question uh, is what is next for stablecoins? You've, you've explained the, the basic stablecoin, you've mm -hmm. explained the crypto-backed stablecoin. Mm -hmm. What's the future? What's coming next? Mm. The most exciting um, use case of a stablecoin, let's say, is in these digital contracts that we call smart contracts. So these are contracts um, without a third party intermediate, intermediating the relationship between the two parties that the contract is, is tying in. What it means is that if we have this digital contract, maybe there's some value locked up in that contract. Say, you know, something happens between us, we make a bet on the weather tomorrow, mm -hmm. and the winner of the bet gets the money that's locked up in the smart contract. Mm. I'm not a betting man myself, but it's a good example and one of the first use cases. Um, now, imagine if you're getting paid out in Ethereum, the price has changed 8% from yesterday to today, as an example. Mm. So now maybe you made 8%, maybe you lost 8%, but maybe you don't want to gamble on top of, you know, the already uh, gamble you've made in the price of that Ethereum. Mm. So pay out in a stable currency, you so, know what you're going to get? Exactly. If you pay out in a stable coin, you know that you're going to get the value that you agreed to when you signed into that agreement in the first place. Fantastic. Well, the weather is lovely here in London today. So James, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. So some interesting topics there around stable coins. I guess the question is, 
can stable coins, can they get the, the weight of trust that they will be stable when there's all this <laughs> volatility in, in uh, the crypto world? Yeah, yeah, it slightly defeats the purpose of the exercise if they're unstable, doesn't it, really? <laughs> I have to go back to, I think there is something in stable coins. There's, there's an interesting idea. Mm. And, and, it, and I'll tell you what the, I think it's the most interesting is in the developing world. Mm. You know, uh, it doesn't take a genius to work out that if you're in a country with volatile domestic currency, mm. then actually having a stable coin makes some sense. The problem, as you just as you just said there, the key word was trust. Mm. You know, and and I think that's the problem. You know, in in, in the dollar we trust, mm. yeah, um, because we know it is issued by one central bank, the mm. U.S. Federal Reserve, and we trust them. And I think that issued trust, which is whoever is the originator and the provider of the main marketplace for the stable currency, you really need to trust them. So when you hear talk about, well, actually, they may not have the dollars. Mm. You know, which we've heard about with some of the stable currencies lurking around to actually back up the currency. That does cause a problem. So I think the problem is the stable coin is a very, very good theoretical idea, but I'm not too sure it's ever going to work unless you can really, really trust the issuer mm. and the mm. institution that stands behind it, mm. which of course goes against the very nature, yeah, mm. of of the whole decentralized of the whole cryptocurrency yeah. digital currency thing which is you're not you're not you're not really trying to set up a kind of authority figure or authority entity mm. that underwrites the backing of it whereas that is always the problem with stable coins you know they 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 are surrogates and they're only going to be surrogates if the if that the, the people providing them you can trust mm. so i do think they're an interesting idea oddly enough i i'd almost imagine you know i i could imagine if the, the china if the pboc you know the people's bank of china yeah. set up a you know, its own version of the dollar. So they could avoid, you know, um, if they could avoid dealing in dollars. Or I mean, you know, God forbid, if the Iranians, you know, who are currently at the receiving end of an American embargo, they set up a version of a stable coin that was for all intents and purposes a dollar and traded like a dollar and, mm. and was a dollar, but actually wasn't under the control of the US Treasury and US Federal Reserve. You know, that's, <laughs> I can sort of almost imagine that the people who are probably best placed to do stable coins are probably governments. Mm. Uh, but again, goes ironically, back, ironically, <laughs> yeah, because it goes against the whole point of it. I think stable coins are an interesting idea. I think the issues that have surrounded them have really, I think, started to question whether or not they can practically be implemented without that kind of central authority. Mm. Well, certainly one to watch. Now, David, what else has been happening in the crypto news this fortnight? What news stories out there have you spotted? Well, I mean, the, the overall arching story is that uh, things are looking up a little bit um, mm. for cryptocurrencies. Um, it, it's a slightly better news story. Uh, a kind of bunch of snippets that caught my eye was, you know, shock horror. Financial Times actually ran a story, a morsel of a story at least, that Bitcoin uh, had proven to be a better store of value than the Argentinian peso over the last 12 months. Mm. Now, I have to say that's a very low barrier and a low threshold to set yourself that you've actually done better than the Argentinian peso, um, <laughs> a currency which is notoriously volatile. But, you know, we are entering an interesting terrain. I mean, there was one quote that um, there was, which was quoted, it was a tweet. If an Argentinian had bought Bitcoin at the highest point of the biggest bubble in history in 2017, he would have been better off than leaving his money in his Argentinian bank account, tweeted Jose San Martin, a Mexico City-based investor. So that's interesting. Um, the other one was uh, the overall, the total market value of Bitcoin mm. um, recently is now top, is ticked up to $123 billion. And that's uh, up 110%. It's trading over $6,700. Um, per Bitcoin as we talk. Mm. Uh, and that's interesting. So I think what everybody's been watching for, and you get the technical analysts coming out, 
is everybody's looking for this kind of crucial technical point where momentum suddenly turns positive because we've had over the last kind of last few months, we've had very strong negative momentum and positive momentum can create its own kind of feedback loop. So I think we're in interesting territory. The other sign that maybe we've turned the corner, apart from the Financial Times maybe not being beastly about um, <laughs> cryptocurrencies, is um, there's been an all-time high for the number of Bitcoin futures taken out, uh, 33,677, um, according to the CME group. And that's important because if you remember in previous programs, we talked a bit about futures contracts as the way, main way in which institutions um, trade in cryptocurrencies. And if those futures contracts have basically picked up, that would tend to indicate that more professional style investors and mm. professional style products are beginning to come into the whole crypto culture. They're beginning to come back. So maybe we've turned a corner. I suspect not. Mm. And the reason I suspect not is that the main markets are very volatile. Mm. You know, people mm. are worried about a recession, worried about trade wars. And I'm not completely convinced that cryptocurrencies will avoid that kind of volatility carnage. They'll mm. just get dragged into it. So I'm not utterly convinced myself. But I what I tell you what I do think has happened is I think we've probably seen the end of all of the kind of long tail of speculative investors who've probably all sold out now. Mm. So we've basically had the point of capitulation for most people. So most people who just a lot of people piled in thinking, yeah, it's great fun. I think they've all gone now. Yeah. And I think you're left with the people who either really, really want to buy mm. or really, really want to sell. The only question is, who's the bigger group? Well, not that we on Crypto for Earthlings encourage speculative investments, no, but if our listeners at the first episode had bought a Bitcoin, which at the time was priced at about $3,500, uh, they'd now be looking at about... $8,600, oh, so gosh. doubling their money in just three months. And, listen and to us. <laughs> if only. Um, another story I saw circling the papers this week was about Facebook, long rumoured to be working on their own cryptocurrency. Um, interestingly, uh, this article, which I think is from Coinbase, um, points out that, uh, sorry, no, it was actually from the Financial Times as well. Um, it wasn't another positive story. <laughs> um, points out that, that Facebook's demographics, shifting demographics, are all getting a lot older. And the problem is that with cryptocurrencies, the demographic of investors and early adopters is much younger. Mm. So they're building a cryptocurrency of some sort, just as their user base is shifting yeah, towards later in life when they're not as interested in it. But the paradox is, that actually something like Facebook would be the kind of trusted central authority by, mm. say, a stable currency. So that, oddly enough, you know, if you're going looking, I'm not saying Facebook's massively trusted, but it is much more, it, it's a proper business, it's, you know, it's a global business. If they did a stable currency, you know, one into the dollar, I could see that working. Yeah, you know? well, Mark Zuckerberg, let's, let's get it done. <laughs> now, each week we're talking crazy crypto and George Geddes, a financial reporter here in London, is back with another crazy crypto story for us. So George, what have you got? So this week we'll be talking about Litecoin. The cryptocurrency has jumped 400% since its lowest back in December. 400%? And it's done quite well. Mm. And obviously that sort of performance has seemed to have uh, picked up a lot of following. Um, so much so that uh, news channel CNBC got very uh, excited and carried away on one of its shows saying, sell the house, sell the car, sell the kids. <laughs> and buy Litecoin, um, which obviously the only people 
seem to be pessimistic about this sort of a uh, performance is in fact actually the Litecoin director, Franklin Richards, which is telling people not to get too carried away as we, are, we could be going into a bubble very soon. Uh, but CNBC's uh, reaction to this isn't the first time apparently as it's actually quite frequent. Whatever CNBC say, usually people d- decide to do the opposite. So obviously Twitter, <laughs> Twitter quickly said, if they're telling you to sell your house, sell your kids, probably don't do that and don't buy Litecoin. That's the difference. The Financial Times, if they said it, definitely follow their advice. I, I, it's interesting, by the way, that that's gone on. Is that I do think what's going on is, is that if, we, if with things like Litecoin, you can get more interest back from the media in this area. Because, you know, my joking aside about the Financial Times, you know, there has been a lot more cynical commentary. But yeah, I think actually to get more positive commentary back in, that could be the kind of momentum technical thing that maybe rekindles interest for all the wrong reasons, though. Thanks, George. Now that was it, folks. That was our last and final episode of season one of Crypto for Earthlings. Thank you very much for listening. But don't worry, we're planning to come back later in the year when we'll be looking back at the crypto space, particularly from a kind of investor perspective. Uh, But in the meantime, we're also going to be bringing out over the summer uh, a new podcast. Yes. Shiny new one. Um, And we're going to be looking at a whole kind of digital money space, particularly kind of looking at reviews of the big digital banks, the digital wealth services from a kind of consumer perspective. Because you may have noticed on AltFi, we've been building up our reviews over the last few weeks. So we're really going to be going to town talking about the whole kind of digital money services. And as I said, watch out, we will be coming back with more crypto stuff towards the end of the year. So keep an eye out for that. But that's all for now, folks. Until next time. Bye-bye.